Hello and welcome to the Kiss the Wild podcast with your host, Kristen Wright. This is the space to unpack cultural scripts, narratives, and conditioning that are keeping you from living the juiciest version of yourself. You can expect conversations and thought-provoking ideas to help you reclaim your whole self in and out of the bedroom. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Kiss the Wild. In today's episode, I am going to share with you five of the ways that I keep the fire of desire alive in my life and, you know, of course, then in my relationship. So these are five ways that I support myself to feel like a lustful, desirous, hot-blooded woman. And I hope that these five takeaways will really support you to start thinking in your life how you can keep the desire alive for yourself. Because there's a couple things that I believe about this. First, I believe that, you know, long-term partnerships are often the place where we think desire goes to die. And it's true, there are seasons to life, there are seasons to our relationships, and sometimes our desire is probably going to feel through the roof, and sometimes it's going to feel like maybe a bit of an uphill battle or non-existent, and that's okay and normal and natural. And there are times when we might feel like our desire is in the gutter, but there is also you know, a natural desire to want more. Like it's like the physical desire isn't there, but the energetic desire to connect and to be intimate with our partners is there. And so these are ways that we can really foster that in ourselves. Now, the other thing I think it's so important about desire and, you know, stoking our own inner desire and lust and passion is that all too often we've been taught you know as the nice girl as the good girl to hand you know our pleasure our desire over to somebody else you know to the knight in shining armor who's gonna awaken us with a kiss Um, and so we kind of wait for somebody to come and turn us on or we wait for somebody to come and find our clitoris And I think it's so important to take radical responsibility about, or radical responsibility, sorry, for our lust, our desire, our passion, our, you know, erotic essence, essentially our sensuality. So these are some ways that you can really take control and take that responsibility into your own hands. And It's not just for your partner, it's for you. It's for you to have a life that feels, you know, juicy, turned on, alive. And I think I've shared this before in other podcast episodes. When I say turned on, I'm not always meaning like sexual turn on where we feel like wet and horny. I'm talking about that turn on 
that low-level turn-on that has us feeling like open and expanded and sensual and alive and plugged in and tapped in, that kind of turn-on where it's like we wake up in gratitude for our life. That's what I'm talking about. Okay, so let's get into it. Five things that I do as a sex coach to keep the fire of desire <laughs> low-level burning in my life. So first things first, I track my cycle and I honor my inner rhythms. And this is not new if you've been following me. This isn't, you know, I'm not delivering groundbreaking thoughts to you. You've probably heard me say this a time or two. Especially if you've been in my paid containers, you know, honoring your inner rhythms is so important. And it's what I was sharing sort of at the beginning, you know, there are times in our lives where we're in the season, like our inner rhythm is for inward reflection or time alone. For example, if you are a mother in like the early months to year of postpartum, even the first couple years. I mean, I have friends that will argue that postpartum is for life. And I would also agree with that. But, you know, when we're really in those like really intense sleep deprived early days of parenting, that might not be when you're feeling like your most juicy, vibrant self. And that's okay. Hormonally, there's a lot of reasons why you probably don't feel that way. And then, like I said, energetically with sleep deprivation and feeling like touched out or overstimulated, overwhelmed, dysregulated. That being said, I am definitely somebody who can, you know, resonate with overstimulation and feeling overwhelmed and feeling dysregulated very easily. And in, you know, postpartum with my second child, like that's been some of the best sex my partner and I have ever had. So it's not that we were like having amazing sex every week, you know, maybe sometimes, but there was definitely a couple weeks that would go by where we hadn't been intimate, but the quality of sex was on fire. So it is possible. I really want when I say that we honor our own inner rhythms, it's not so that suddenly then we're um, comparing ourselves to like a, another rigid format format or schedule or another way that we should be shooting ourselves like, well, I should feel this way or I, I shouldn't feel that way, you know, or society says I should feel this way in postpartum. Like it's really about acknowledging where you are at on the journey. The journey being throughout, you know, even a day, like knowing that you have a time in a day that might feel better for intimacy, for feeling desire. There might be times in a month, there might be times in a year. It's like the journey of a lifetime, right? And so for myself, I do know that. I know that right now where I'm at, like the evening, generally not a great time for desire. In the afternoon, however, or even in a morning, yeah, I'm feeling it. That's a great time for me to capitalize and um, work with my desire. There are times in the month, like around the time that I am follicular and ovulating, great time for desire and sex. Now, 
when I say I track my cycle and I honor my inner rhythms, this means that I don't say yes to sex I don't want to have. I don't push myself through an experience just to get to the finish line. Because all that does is continue to reinforce the belief that sex is a slog or sex is a chore or it's something that just doesn't feel like fun to show up for. So tuning in to where you're at and really honoring your needs is so key in keeping desire alive. Because like I say, the more we just like succumb, um, which is terrible, but it happens, right? Because we've have, we have so many messaging. Oh my gosh, let me just speak proper English. Because we've received so many messages and conditioning about, you know, our role in maybe giving sex to our partners. It's like, well, this is a part of the experience of being in partnership. And I think that is a yes end. Like, I mean, each to their own in terms of the container and the boundaries that you set in your relationship. But I just want you to know that because you are in partnership, if you are, doesn't mean you owe sex to your partner. We are not orgasm dispensing machines. And the more we treat sex like that, um, where it's like something we owe to one another, the more it like inhibits desire, right? It's like what I said, it feels like this thing we don't really want to show up for. We really need to honor where we're at. Now, the number five of what I'm going to share with you today is about making the time. And I have shared, if you haven't listened to podcast episode one and two about our hot parent summer, I do think making time and showing up and exploring is important, especially if you have been desiring to have more quantity, like if you would like to have more sex and it's not happening or you're feeling like you have low desire, making time to be intimate with without like you know, sure, penetration can be on the table, but it doesn't have to be. It's like, let's just explore is really important but again when you show up for that it's like how can I honor where I'm at you can share that with your partner like I really desire a connection and intimacy with you and so I want to have a sexy date tonight but I'm actually like you know luteal in my cycle or it's the end of the day when I'm feeling really tired and so what I'm feeling like I'm needing And you can say no, but what I'm feeling like I'm needing is to just lie down. Maybe we can be naked, lying together, you know, stroking my body. We can listen to some soft music, maybe light some candles and see where it goes. And both people know, you know, consensually that it may not go anywhere, but you've had that time together, right? And being able to show up without that pressure is so huge for you know, desire for keeping that fire of desire alive. It's recognizing that sex and intimacy is so much more than the constraints that we've placed on it in, you know, our modern world. I don't think it's actually our modern world. I think it's the old patriarchal world just continuing to hold on tight, you know? (laughs) So we are revolutionizing that. Now, the second thing I do as a sex coach to keep 
or to foster my desire is I try to move my hips daily. I think there is a lot of sensation in the hips. And I think we can unwind a lot when we consciously connect there. So connecting to sort of free form movement and sensation. Because what I see happening is that we have become like a very rigid society in terms of the way we move our bodies. There isn't a lot of times where we're just plugged in and letting our body move in the ways it would like to. Um, So giving yourself that space when nobody's watching, you know, putting a song on, taking a couple deep breaths, like really connecting into your hips, into your pelvic medicine bowl, like the space between your hips that encompasses your womb or the energy of your womb, your cervix or the energy of your cervix, your ovaries or the energy of your ovaries, your vagina, your vulva, your clitoris, your inner thighs even. Letting yourself move from that place just uninhibited. Mm, It's the stuff dreams are made of. I really feel like it's a homecoming. And so one of the things that I have incorporated into my life that I really try to adhere to, and of course it doesn't work 100% all the time, and that's okay too. I really don't shame myself for the times that I don't get there. But it's just having a tiny little morning ritual of lighting a candle. Um, I have some beautiful rose essence that I made, you know, picking wild roses with my daughter, And I added it to honey and brandy and let it soak for 30 days and then squeeze it all out and I have it as a tincture. And I just love to take a little bit of that rose essence. I labeled the bottles as um, remember how loved you are. And I just put my hand on my chest and I just say to myself like, oh, Kristen, you know, good morning. I love you so much. How are you doing? You know, and this is where I check in with myself. Like, what do you need? How are you? I love you and maybe set an intention for the day or I make the intention about you know meeting a need or just honoring where I'm at I make that commitment to myself and then I might put a song on and move my hips and just move my body take some deep breaths shake a little bit and connect like plug in And now if you've listened to the last episode on exercise and movement, you know, if I don't move my hips in this way, I at least try to move my bodies in my body in ways that really delight and um, light me up. So even just moving the body, right? And moving outside of like the rigid, rigid patterns. And I'm not talking that we like walk around and consciously are, you know, in holding patterns that are rigid. Although I would say like, there's probably a large population that are walking around like clenching their butt. (laughs) But (laughs) it's just, you know, we go through life unconsciously, like we forget that this is like a body that is made to experience life through our senses. It's a very sensual animal body, an instinctual body. And we've become so disconnected from that. We get up, we, you know, have our morning sort of routine that gets us out the door. And then we get in our cars and we drive to work and we get to work and we go through our work day. And maybe we pick our kids up at the end of the day and we make supper and we get to bed and Have we ever thought about like how good our hips feel when they just get to move or 
I don't know. You know what I mean? I hope you know what I mean. I don't want to spend too much time here, but there's a lot that lives in our um, lower half of our body. And it's generally kind of one of the places, not kind of, it's one of the places that we, you know, have early on disowned, especially if you are a, you know, womb owner, a menstruating person. It's like, there's so many messaging messages. Again, I can't say that word properly. (laughs) So many messages that, you know, menstruation is this weird, dirty, secretive thing, Um, you know, peeing and pooping and masturbation, all of those things like taboo. So we don't really spend a lot of time living in that space. And yet it's our, it's our root. It's, you know, if you, you know, have any um, connection to the chakras, we have the seed of our sensuality there. We have our root there, our sexuality. There's so much power that lives in that part of our body when we take up space and inhabit it. So moving the hips, getting into the hips, I think is a huge part about, you know, awakening desire. And in that thread, I love to look myself in the mirror and like make love to myself moving my hips. I think it's a powerful practice. It's something that um, in one of my next courses I will be talking in length about and offering because there comes a lot from, you know, like getting off on your own reflection, feeling, seeing your hips move outside of like the performative ways that we've been taught you know whether that's by watching porn or other movies um, if you've ever been to the strippers all those kinds of things like it's there's no I'm not throwing shade on any of the professionals that work in that space or you know what we see on tv it's just that again we can adopt that from a performative lens it's for someone else's gaze the male gaze or for objectification purposes um, to uphold the status quo and when it's just you in front of your mirror moving in ways that delight you and getting off on the reflection that is oof that is passion that is lust that is desire that is turn on in motion so I invite you into that experience. Now, number three, I think is really important. And I mean, good golly, I could talk about this till the cows come home, but it's about the fair division of labor in the household. So if you are doing the lion's share of household tasks or parenting or the lion's share of the, you know, the invisible labor that comes in the household tasks or parenting, then it's a no-brainer that you're not going to be in the mood for sex. It's basically science. In fact, science has proven this to be true, that the dynamics in heterosexual couples are killing sex drives. And I speak more about this in the episode on desire which is called cultivating desire while honoring your sacred no. So I just want to say that, you know, if you are struggling with low desire, there's nothing wrong with you because really we are not living in a world that honors our time as being finite, you know? 
we exist in a system that really does inhibit desire while also expecting us to have high levels of desire. And so we have to view our time as finite, similarly to the way culture views men's time. Right now, culturally, there's a belief that women's time is infinite. You know, it's just a resource that can be extracted from. So if we don't say no, chances are we will continue to be extracted from. So if at the end of the day, all you want to do is sleep, And the last thing you want to do is have sex because stress has impacted your ability to give anything else away. That makes sense. And it's a sign to start honoring your boundaries, to start saying no, to take the space that you need or to ask for what you need, to share the division of labor, to, um, yeah, to really have these conversations with your partner. And it's not easy. There can be because of the impact of the culture that we exist in, in terms of what we've been told we need to be in order to be a good partner or a good wife or a good mother. You know, it's really hard to untangle from that and to say, actually, I can be a good mother or I can be a good wife. And this isn't all my responsibility. There's a lot of um, research coming out now that, you know, women are working jobs and doing more with the children and the household than stay-at-home moms were in the 70s. And so it's no, it makes, sorry, it makes a lot of sense. I was going to say it's a no-brainer, but it makes a lot of sense that so many women are feeling really, really burnt out. And I think a lot of the roles and identities that we take on in heteronormative relationships like the good wife, the dutiful wife, the devoted mother, the domestic executive are in direct conflict with cultivating desire in our lives, right? When you think about, you know, the role of the good wife or a dutiful wife, how does that feel in your body like how does that land in your body it makes me want to like shrivel up on the inside a little bit and maybe for you that is like a very desire enhancing archetype but chances are eh, not so much you know when we can be like the sensuous goddess or the flirt or the seductress when we have room in our lives for that for the sex kitten or the tease um, Aphrodite like all of those archetypes those are you know very desirous and passionate lustful you know turned on by nature and so we need opportunities to tap into that in our day and if you're feeling tapped out the way to tap into that is through you know boundary setting through really asking for what you need communicating what you need um, and taking that space for yourself and it's just an unraveling in terms of letting go of the shame or the guilt attached to that and you just have to know and believe that you are worthy that you deserve it and so this is your permission slip right here and right now okay the fourth thing I do as a sex coach to help foster desire in my life is that I watch and I read and I do things that turn me on it's like what I said earlier it's not my job for it's not my partner's job to come and turn me on it's really 
up to me. And of course, like, that's fun. And that can be a part of it. If we agree on that, if we're role playing, if, you know, my partner's up for it, like that is, that's a fun thing for him to come and turn me on. You know, I definitely have different fantasies about that. But in general, as a whole, if I'm always leaning back and just assuming that he's going to be the one, because I'm in a heterosexual relationship, that he's going to be the one to come and turn me on each and every time. It's like me waiting for that knight in shining armor to come and awaken me with a kiss. And I have to take responsibility for my life and what turns me on. So it's my job to learn about my body and it's my job to learn about my desire and it's my job to figure out what turns me on. So I enjoy daily doses of pleasure. I get to have pleasure in my daily experience for me. And so this kind of ties so many of the threads in that we've already talked about, you know, if I'm only getting dressed in ways for, you know, if I'm only dressing for other people's validation or approval, if I'm only like moving or looking a certain way, um, eating a certain way for other people's validation and approval, there's no pleasure or joy in that for me. There's no turn on in that for me. So making my days about what lights me up is a really Um, healthy way to take some of that pleasure that turn on and desire into my own hands for me if that makes any sense and again you know moving my hips that's one thing that I can do that turns me on the other thing that I like to do is just delight in the world around me through my sensational nature you know taking that moment to feel the warmth of the sun on my skin you know really smelling the air when I walk outside Um, and that can be quite nice depending on what season you're in, right? You know, fall has a different smell to the rain or the snow in the winter, um, to this, the smell that happens in the spring, to the smell that happens in the summer, just really getting clear on that, taking a moment to really focus on that first sip of coffee in the morning and the ways it delights my taste buds and wakes me up. Those are some of the, you know, like in my shower, just really feeling how good that hot water feels on my skin or, you know, pouring over my head, those kinds of things like rubbing lotion on my body in sensual and pleasure filled ways. Those are the kind of daily doses of pleasure that you can add to your day, pleasure and sensuality, you know, and then there's, if you're reading books, like reading fun romance novels you know I used to be someone who only ever read fucking self-help books and I still love self-help books but in the last year I've really gotten back into reading for fun and pleasure reading romance there's lots of um applications out there um that are audiobooks that are like really naughty dirty fun stories that you can listen to you can watch fun saucy things like There's lots of great ways to stoke the fire of desire in a day. Or like I said, if you know that you want to have more intimacy with your partner and you want to build on desire, like 
it doesn't have to be every day that you're reading something naughty that turns you on. But, you know, plug it into your week. Give yourself those daily doses and also get into the mindset that your body is for you. Your ecstasy, your bliss, all of that is for you. And I guess the last thing that I didn't mention that I, you know, in terms of doing is like a practicing with my jade egg or practicing or not practicing, playing with my crystal wand, exploring my body. Like I'm talking about self-pleasure here, doing that for myself, tapping into um, my own experience of pleasure in my body, getting to know myself intimately. The jade egg is such a beautiful way. Like it can just be a 10, a five minute practice, similarly to, you know, what I talked about in terms of having a morning ritual where I play a song and move my hips. I might do that with the jade egg, you know, play one or two songs with the jade egg inserted, you know, on my bed, rolling around on my hands and knees, moving my hips on my knees, standing, all of those things, you know, really, really connecting inwards and feeling that those sensations and the exquisite pleasure that's available to me. It's such a fun way to build, turn on and create anticipation or to tap into you know, your eroticism, tap into your fantasies, to tap into your desire. So definitely encourage that. Okay, now we're on the home stretch. The last thing I want to share is what I've already, you know, alluded to, which is to make the time to show up, you know, and that doesn't mean that we're always showing up and having sex with one another, but it's making space to connect, to explore, to be playful, to build passion. And so some of that might be like making out, like getting back to how it was. Like think about being a horny teenager. You know what some of that like desire was built on is that foreplay, that fun, that like, ooh, we can't, we can't do this. Like we're, we shouldn't be doing this. We're not supposed to be having sex. And so getting into the spirit of just making out or kissing or cuddling. And that means not falling into the ruts and patterns of turning Netflix on every single night or, you know, turning the TV on. Or if, if you have kids, like when the kids go to bed, just kind of like retreating to your separate ends of the house. So making time for fun and play with one another now we like to play cards or sometimes we just like to sit on the couch and talk and share about our day. Or like I've shared already, we like to kiss or cuddle or meet in the bedroom and just get naked and, you know, touch one another, bo- one another's bodies. Sometimes even just talking about past sexual experiences is a way to build desire, you know, watching erotic material like um, ethical porn or, you know, there's right now there's that movie. What's it called? Is it called Sex Life? Or it's not a movie. It's a TV series on Netflix. Like it's pretty erotic and graphic and can get, you know, the fires of desire burning a little bit. So finding ways to build, you know, that desire and intimacy and to bake it into your day-to-day to make the time for it instead of just going on autopilot. Those are the ways that I 
foster desire in my life as a busy mom of two who doesn't always feel in the mood, but really works to honor this part of my life because it has meaning for me. Having amazing sex with my partner is fucking one of life's greatest gifts. And I think so often we get into like that state of autopilot or we don't nurture our desire and then we might have like a really great sexual encounter with our partner and it's like why don't we why don't we do this more often you know or we're having encounters with our partner that feel like a chore and don't feel like they light us up they take away from our you know, life-giving qualities versus adding to our life. And if that's the case too, this these five steps will really help you to get into the place of really centering your pleasure, your desire, your needs, your boundaries, so that you feel like, okay, this is something I want. You know, I want this in my life. And then of course, if you want to go deeper, if you want support on the journey, I'm here for you in your one-on-one needs. So definitely reach out. I will add the link to work with me in the show notes below. So scroll down, click the link and we can get started. Okay, my friend, I hope that this episode has been supportive for you. You can definitely send me an email, share your big takeaways, share where you're at. I love hearing from you. I wish you well in your sexual endeavors. Keep on keeping on, keep on building that desire and stay wild, my friends. I'll see you next time. Bye for now.